0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We're back for another week of Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Vesperis. This is a Hoop Ball and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company presentation. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Rolling into a new week. Weekend in the rear view. So you know what today is all about. It's reverse chronological lightning round Monday. We will go through the entire weekend. Starting on Sunday, working our way backwards through Saturday, and then if if necessary, we'll take a look at Friday, basically recapping the most recent game for all 30 teams in the NBA. Get the full reset going, and we'll be situated for the week ahead. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I am at Dan Bespers. As many of you know, I like to do little what to watch for's and tweet storms and kind of continuing education here uh, as we work our way through the NBA season. This is all how we pr- prepare ourselves for the night upcoming. How do we react? With a purpose, meaning how do we sort of get out in front of things? How do we decide what we're doing before it happens? And then now, Monday, this is a show where we sort of look back and decide what did we do? Because we were ready for the weekend. That's what we did on the Friday show. Want to start the program by giving a massive, massive, huge, unparalleled, colossal thank you to everybody... That has been rating and reviewing the podcast. Those of you that have been dropping nice reviews on this thing, you are our lifeblood. It is incredible. There were like 15 or 16 over the weekend alone. So thank you. You guys are amazing. Those of you that haven't done it yet, if you're enjoying the show, please do take a moment to rate and review the show. You can do it on your computer if you have iTunes on your machine or if you're on an Apple product, if you've got an iPad or an iPod or an iPhone or an i-whatever. Use the podcast app, search for Fantasy NBA Today, click on the show title, and then scroll down, and at the bottom of that page is where you can drop a rating or review. Let's dive right on into Sunday's games. We'll start, obviously, with the earliest one and just kind of work our way through the card. It was actually a fairly busy Sunday, by all accounts, eight games to wind out the weekend. Denver beat Minnesota on the road. Nikola Jokic, a loopy, fading, game-winning turnaround jumper to complete what was actually not a particularly great ball game for Jokic. I know that you know the game winner is going to be the part that everybody remembers, but he just hasn't really fully looked like himself so far this year. There have been little fits and starts, but with this strong game, whatever you want to call it, a 39% shooting thing, he's so far down in every relevant statistical category. The only thing he's not down in is turnovers. I mean, he is down in them, but it's actually improving. So, is it a factor of him doing less to orchestrate the offense? Or is it just him being not fully present on a good team that he knows can kind of win whether or not he's spectacular? Maybe it's both. Maybe he's just out of shape. Either way, his shooting percentage is down 5%. His free throw is, per, is down uh, five from his career mark. Rebounds are down one. Assists down one and a half. Scoring's down by almost four per game. I mean, it's um, it's not great, but it does lead us to that same buy low that we've been preaching pretty much from the outset this year. If you drafted him in the first round, you're going to be pretty pissed off right now. If you didn't, you have an opportunity to try to swoop in and get him with some hyper overachieving third rounder. And of course, if you love our buy low sell high stuff, we'll be talking about that with the great Brandon Marcus later on this week. That'll be on, uh, I believe, the Wednesday program. So we'll dive into some of the mixing and matching parts with that. Uh, but obviously for Jokic right now, it, it has not been a strong start. Uh, the other things, and I said this, I think, on Thursday or Friday show last week, I've been too hard on the other starters for Denver. Uh, Gary Harris actually had a borderline serviceable game, which was new for him. But he's the one starter that I think is a guy you don't necessarily have to have on your fantasy team. Paul Millsap, you do. Will Barton, you do. Those other guys, they're doing more than enough to be started. Um, And it seems like the more games pass, the more the starters settle in and more the reserves kind of fade into the oblivion. Um, I was weird. I kind of got, you know, this is why you really need to stick to your gun sometimes. I kind of got talked into the whole Millsap is not going to play and Jeremy Grant is thing. And that has not played itself out at all. So I should have stuck to my guns on that one. And uh, I didn't. And I missed out, I think, on something there. So, Mea culpa, I guess. Um, Carlton Tans was uh, solid. He's obviously, I don't want to say cooled off because he's still great, but he's number four now. He was number one for a little bit. Damian Lillard is actually the number one player in fantasy sports right now. Interesting little side note. That won't hold. He's not going to shoot 50% all year, but he has been incredible, and Portland is down bodies, so this could end up being actually just a really, really good year for Dame. Number one? Probably not. But very good? Yes. Also, can I quietly point out Anthony Davis, number three. He hasn't even looked good yet, and he's number three. <laughs> Remarkable. And then there's James Harden, who's back at number six all of a sudden. Everything always finds a way. As they say in Jurassic Park, life finds a way. Minnesota's down a couple of bodies right now. In particular, Jeff Teague is the one that that jumps out. Um, Rob Covington had a slow ball game after he had a pretty big one. Travion Graham, Jarrett Culver... Got in there and played a bunch of minutes. Josh Kogi played a bunch of minutes. This was an overtime game, too, I should mention. So everybody's numbers were a little bit inflated. Um, but Josh Kogi is making a case even after Jeff Teague is back. Because Culver's the guy that slotted in as the starting point guard when Teague went down. O'Kogi was a guy I thought might have some legs coming into the season. And then he sort of got pushed out of the way by Travion Graham. But he has the better fantasy stat set. So let's keep an eye on that. It's not a move yet. It's not even that close, honestly. But it's something to watch. Indiana beat an Orlando team that I got to tell you guys, I watched this game from start to finish. Orlando's offense is so gross. They do nothing. I mean, they really run nothing. They run a DJ Augustine pick and roll, which barely ever works out because most teams will just dare DJ Augustine to beat them. And uh, it's bad. It doesn't work out so great. Uh, Evan Fournier had a good ball game he shot the ball well Vooch had 17 rebounds so that was a nice one Mobamba four blocks off the bench Aaron Gordon had 13 points I hope you guys all dodged the crap out of him like we were telling you to uh, Markel Fultz still didn't do enough to be fantasy relevant Terrence Ross came back in this one played only 19 minutes but shot the ball better only six shots didn't force anything he's a guy I'm keeping my eye on as sort of the the 10th man kind of deal. Like, if you need a guy at the very end of your bench, your 10th starter, he should be able to get back to that mark. But, again, this team's offense is so, so terrible that, like, you watch these guys try to run them. They can't figure out a way to get anybody on their team open. It feels like every shot was contested. I know Indiana's defense is decent, but good grief. In any event. Uh, nothing really all that new to pull out of this game. TJ McConnell seemingly now carved himself a pretty good backup point guard job on this team, but it's not enough to get him into the fantasy conversation. Uh, Nothing changes really here until they get healthy. You know, no Miles Turner, no Jeremy Lamb. They're just not healthy. Charlotte lost in Philadelphia, put up a pretty good fight. P.J. Washington continues to play good ball. Cody Zeller got more run dealing with Joel Embiid. You figured he might. Devontae Graham's been very good. Um, Terry Rozier uh, as wildly overdrafted a guy in fantasy sports as we could ever consider. And hopefully again, that was a name that you guys were able to dodge because of what we were doing on draft prep. Joel Embiid, obviously he was fine. Only 18 points. Actually, Zeller did a, a reasonable job on him for whatever that's worth. Tobias Harris continues to be strong. Al Horford, great. Firkin Korkmaz was an interesting little side note here. Um, Howl Neto, we told you, was going to be a very low-usage, serviceable, fill-in, whatever you want to call it, and uh, as I said, I think on Thursday or Friday, I just, I didn't have the stones to roll him out there, and I feel good about that decision. Someone was asking, I think, in the hoopball forums if they should drop Josh Richardson. That is not a wise decision. You know, 11-7-6 with three threes and a steal. He's been not as good as, you know, the 70-whatever-you-hoped-when-you-drafted him, but he isn't inside the top 100. He's not a drop. He's not even close. You drop him, I'll pick him up. I'll come into your league. I will push someone out of your league to pick him up. I'll move a team out of the way so that I can take over said team so I can pick up Josh Richardson. Uh, Chris Middleton bruised his thigh. I thought it was a knee initially, but it seemed like it was knee to thigh. Uh, so he left this game after 22 minutes in their win over Oklahoma City. Giannis and Eric Bledsoe, who, by the way, Bledsoe was already having a good ball game at the time, but he was able to get even a little bit more stuff going on and ended up with 25 at 9 with a block, three rebounds, three three-pointers. It's uh, Life's good for Eric Bledsoe right now. He's been coming on, and uh, the old man stuff is done the start of the season. Uh, Dennis Schroeder had one of his good games here. I mean, he's really been flipping back and forth between ugly, ugly games and very good ones. The end of the day, he's settling somewhere outside the top 100 right now. I think he'll be bouncing on and off of fantasy rosters a little bit. I still like him for what he can do when he's warm and when the you know the, the timing is right and the shot is falling, but I understand if you need to bail out because this was really not a usual game for him. He had threes, he had steals, that's stuff that he'd been lacking on for most of the year and most of his career, frankly. Shea was solid. By the way, um, Shea, for as good as he's been, and he's been very good, you know, he's shooting near 50% from the field, which is not easy to do as a a starting two-guard in the NBA. He's posting strong, you know, six boards, three assists, almost a block a game. He has somehow, and I think it's the high-volume free-throw misses right now, he's sitting hes sitting right in that 75 range. I think that's a number that's probably going to come up a little bit for him, but the the overall ranking for him is far lower than you might expect given what seemingly has been pretty darn good numbers. Nerland's Noel got the start with Stephen Adams on the shelf. And you know the deal there. You roll him out there any time that he's starting. It was worthwhile again. Chris Paul, 17-5-5, five five, a steal, 3-3-pointers, three, three 55 from the field, made both of his free throws. He's he's rolling along now. He's gotten used to his teammates. Everything is golden. They almost beat the Bucks, man. This Oklahoma City team is not bad. Cleveland blew out New York at Madison Square Garden. Colin Sexton had one of his big ones, and then, you know, what comes later, so don't... Don't... Fall prey to this nonsense. Um, Larry Nance Jr., 26 minutes, 9-9, a 3-3 steals. That's what we've been waiting for, the steals to start to come back. I I maintain he's a hold. Jordan Clarkson did a lot in only 19 minutes. Darius Garland played 34 minutes in the blowout. We might have seen more Clarkson had this game not been completely out of hand. Uh, And then Tristan Thompson had a rare quieter game. Still almost double double with two defensive stats, but obviously he's still just trucking along. Uh, Garland is not a pickup, by the way. I know the 34 minutes are nice, but fantasy game has not shown itself to be there yet. Frank Nilekina was a popular pickup. I picked him up in a few spots, but I didn't start him. Somebody asked me that on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Are you starting Frank Nilekina, or is he on your bench? I said, well, he's sitting on my bench. I'm very cautious, so I'm not going to roll the dice yet. Julius Randle, at 20 and 16. This is one of his better popcorn games, at least. He didn't kill you in any statistical category. He remains one of the worst draft picks of the year right now. Marcus Morris had a cool one. I mean, this Knicks team is really truly bad. Somehow they beat the Mavericks. It's just, you know, the NBA's a weird thing, but Mitchell Robinson being out, uh, you would have thought maybe something else might open up, but Bobby Portis was terrible, too. Everybody was pretty awful in this game. DeAndre Jordan Played 24 minutes and had a double-double and nothing else. And Brooklyn was bad in this one. Spencer Dinwiddie followed up his 31, was it 31? 30-something point game with 18 and 6. Um, he always hurts you in field goal percent. I, I'm not on the Dinwiddie bandwagon this year. He's just, there they, are holes in his game. Kyrie Irving was uh, pedestrian, and so Brooklyn got smoked. And a lot of te- guys on that team got beat up. Ricky Rubio! Line of the night, man. 22 points, 12 assists, 2 steals, two threes, 4 boards. 63% shooting for Ricky on the ball game. Devin Booker coasting along. Aaron Baines, good game and only 17. They, just, they didn't need a whole lot. They beat the hell out of him. Kelly Oubre, solid again on good percentages. They shot 53% overall. Dario Saric continues to just barely hang on to value. But the guy we're sort of paying attention to with Phoenix right now is Mikhail Bridges, who did see 26 minutes in this game. Some of that could be blowout, garbagey stuff. In fact, it definitely was. But five and six with four cash counters is enough to get him back on the radar. So don't completely write him off just yet. Trey Young, Jabari Parker, those are the obvious ones. And then we're just sort of watching and waiting to see if anybody else can step up for the Hawks. And the answer is not really. You know, DeAndre Hunter was okay. But that's not what we're looking for. There needs to be a third guy that's good, and it hasn't happened yet. No Rodney Hood for the Blazers. He ended up missing the Sunday ballgame with back spasm, so that allowed Kent Bazemore to see far more minutes, and he was okay. He just hasn't looked super comfortable with taking shots on this team yet. And who can blame him? You know, you got a guy like Dame who's unbelievably skilled on the offensive side and out in front. Even McCollum who hasn't been very good. Whiteside's always going to take his shots. And then Anthony Simons took a bunch of buckets in his uh, more limited minutes in this ballgame. He played about 24 through regulation, which is what we should be banking this on. Uh, And he was much better, obviously. 20 points in regulation, a couple of steals. He had some threes. You know, I'm not really... I think I'm sort of wiping my hands of everybody else, the non-core guys, I will strongly consider Rodney Hood again when he comes back. He was putting up uh, very much nine-cat startable numbers when he was healthy. And for the Raptors, we were sort of watching to see what would happen in the first post-Kyle Lowry, post-Serge Ibaka thing. And uh, the guys that we're all keeping an eye on were Norman Powell, Obviously, Freddie Van Fleet, but he was going to be playing well anyway. Pascal Siakam, obvious one. And then Chris uh, Boucher. I think it's Boucher. I don't think you pronounce the R, but I could be getting that wrong. Uh, Norman Powell was solid in this ballgame. And overall, the Raptors just played their butts off. But you got to be watching the minutes. That's got to be the ultimate kind of bellwether of where we're going with this. And Norman Powell played... A lot of minutes. He picked up full starters compliment, and I think he has to be played right now. He has the opportunity. CB is what we're going to call him now, as long as I'm probably mispronouncing his last name. His per-minute production is always going to be very good, but the total number of minutes is always going to be a little bit in question. What I'm curious on for Chris is does he play his way in front of Marc Gasol somehow? And the Raptors seem disinclined to make that move, even though Gasol is basically just a brick on wheels at this point. I, I mean, he really like, I I don't know how you play as much as he did. I watched almost every second of this game and I legitimately couldn't tell you one thing that Marc Gasol did during the course of this ball game. I legitimately couldn't tell you. I watched the whole thing. Uh, they still seem to want him out there. Maybe it's to anchor the defense. I don't know what. Um, but Baushe was far superior. So, you know, here's what worries me about this. Here, here, from the math side of things, this is what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned because Serge Ibaka is a proven center slash power forward in the NBA. And even when he was out playing Gasol, he still was only seeing 25 minutes. You know, look at Ibaka's numbers for this year, and I think it'll actually surprise you, because it surprised me a little bit. I have him on one team, so I was pretty well aware that there wasn't a ton going around, but he's actually averaging only 23 minutes a game. Obviously, that number being pulled down by the 12 minutes he played before hurting his ankle in that last one, but he's generally been around the 24, 25-minute mark. There's a 32, a 26, a 21, so it all blends together and averages out a little bit. All that to say... When he goes down, only 23 minutes freed up. Voucher was playing six per game, less than that, before the 14 he got after Surge went down. If he can move into all of Ibaka's minutes, he becomes a must-own, must-start guy in every sense of the word because his fantasy stat set is Crazy. Steals, blocks, all that stuff. We've seen it in, you know, against poor competition. But does he end up having to share that time with anyone? Is it a little bit of a matchup thing? The Lakers are obviously a very big ball club, so they gave an opportunity for the Raptors to play power forwards and centers, Siakams and whoever else together, all at the same time. So I don't know exactly what's going to shake out. Thing is you're probably not going to want to miss this two- to three-week opportunity if, indeed, it does fall into his lap. So, if you have somebody who doesn't have rest-of-season value, you probably have to dump him and pick up Boucher. I mean, they they played so much harder than the Lakers, too, and you always see that when a team loses its superstar. This is the injured star theory in a perfect nutshell. So, if he's available, he's in, like, one of my leagues. Everybody picked him up the second that Ibaka went down. Serge is probably not going to miss a ton of time, and ultimately he's going to get his minutes back. But this is a short-term guy that could make a pretty big difference on your team uh, in that short amount of time. I mean, he could be like a three-and-change defensive stat guy for the next three weeks or four weeks or whatever it turns out to be. So if he's floating around somewhere, you probably want to think about it, at the very least. We couldn't really talk about it much over the weekend because we didn't have a pod, and that was when everybody got hurt. So here we are. turn the clocks back to Saturday on our reverse chronological lightning round because you know why the hell not um and try to figure out who the heck we haven't talked about yet Saturday was actually a relatively quiet day by all accounts it was only a five-game night (sighs) we probably should have gone through the big injury news at the front of the show but we'll just embed it in the program obviously we just talked about Toronto with no Kyle Lowry for a pretty long stretch although I think he's being evaluated in only two to three weeks so we'll see about that I'm not sure I fully buy it yet Gordon Hayward also broke a hand I mean this is crazy this weekend he had actually an okay line in only 15 minutes before hurting himself but for the Celtics it just sort of frees up his touches for the guys that were already involved so more for Kemba more for Jalen Brown more for Marcus Smart more for Jason Tatum The guys that I've been watching are the centers for Boston with Ennis Cantor out. Daniel Tice had been playing really well. Robert Williams got super hot in this ballgame and got some extra run, but he's been kind of the backup. You know, he's been more in that 14, 15-minute range. He just got a little extra run in this one. Maybe some of that related to the blowout. But again, you know, we're in this part of the year where it makes sense to start looking at guys that have a three- or four-week span of potential top 60 top 70 value as reasonable additions to your games cap team whereas maybe in a head to head format where you're game planning for the playoffs maybe you don't pick up some of these guys for the short term burst there's less there you're bl- you're you're thinking about march so make that assessment in your mind when i talk about these guys i'm talking about using them how much their games are important now. I know you guys hate me because I always talk about it from a Roto perspective. So just take what I say and roll it into your own league. I'm not going to say this is what it is for Roto, this is what it is for head-to-head, for every guy that comes past my radar. Obviously, the Time Lord is a very interesting guy, but he's the third string center on this team right now, behind the injured Cantor and Tice. So if you're streaming someone, it's Tice. If you're worried about March, it's probably neither of them. Same deal over in Toronto. If you're worried about March, it's probably going to be Surge and Kyle Lowry again. So don't go too crazy. But again, if you're rolling up minutes right now, if you're rolling up games cap stuff, these guys need to be in consideration because they're putting up big lines. Big lines in the short term are relevant. In any event, the Spurs, super annoying, but Derek White did play alongside DeJounte Murray ever so briefly in this ball game. Maybe that opens things up a little, but he still didn't have a good line. My hope with Derek White, because I basically abandoned all hope with him, was I dropped him. I don't know how long this is going to take to work itself out. Could be tomorrow, could be two months from now. At some point, they have to let him play with Murray, right? At some point. But we can't just sit around and bench him for a half a season. If you're going to stash somebody for half a season it should have been Victor Oladipo right or one of these guys that's suspended that might be showing up on your radar every once in a while those are the guys you have to consider not Derek White but if we're starting to see these few minutes here and there where he and Murray are playing together then you start to consider adding them what I'd like to see is for him to keep stinking a little bit longer where he really will fall off of everybody's team. Because some people are holding on either through the fact that they haven't sort of seen what's been happening or they have infinite patience, which I don't. And then I want to be ready to pounce when we start to see, during our live viewings of these ball games him actually playing. I mean, we're going to be ready. When we see the seven minutes that they're playing on the floor together one of these games, that's when we're going to pounce. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge had a very bad ball game, but he'll be fine. We're all good on that front. Rudy Gay's a drop. I've said that before. I believe it still. New Orleans with a win on the road. No Lonzo Ball. But yes, Derek Favors. There was a lot of fun stuff that happened over the weekend. Jeez, I kind of forgot by first thing Monday morning. Uh, Brandon Ingram missed a bunch of free throws, turned the ball over a ton. Still made his three-pointers. It's all going to regress, guys. As much as he may end up having a better season now than he did with the Lakers... You know, that top 15 ranking is going to peter off. It just will, I promise. Drew Holiday, he will come up a little bit. Will he be, you know, a top 15 guy this year? I don't know. I didn't draft him anywhere. Kenny Hustle, is he going to be good every game? Nah. J.J. Redick, is he going to be great every game? I sure hope so. He signed there to play. The guy I'm most excited about from this is definitely Derek Favors, though. He played 29 minutes. That's a season high was active, double-doubled with a couple of steals. If he starts putting up high field goal percent, defensive stat, decent rebounding nights, he becomes a difference maker on your fantasy team. He's a guy that was doing nothing that could suddenly become a top 75 guy. So I hope he's still on your team. I told you, uh, I mentioned on Twitter at least a few times, I said, I'm holding on. I want to see what he looks like when he comes back from this knee thing that he was clearly playing through because he just wasn't moving. And it's not like he's a 40-year-old guy. He still has a little bit left in the tank, and hopefully we're seeing the beginnings of it. Hopefully. J.J. Redick is another guy that I've been hanging on to longer than most, mostly because of the narrative aspect, where I just figured how on earth could he really sign with this team for like a 20-minute bench roll? It made no sense at all. So I think they're going to play him. They have to play him at some point, right? This was maybe the start of it. Hopefully, we shall see. Anyway, I'm hanging on to both of those guys. I have more hope and favors than I do uh, in Reddick. But obviously, they bought themselves some more time for sure. Dwight Powell looked good for Dallas. That's a really nice turn. No KP in this ball game, but uh, they came back from the Knicks loss and thumped up on Memphis a little bit. Shouldn't be too surprised there, should we? Jay Crowder had a big game for Memphis, but I don't care about that. Jonas Valanciunas uh, was not very good, but he'll obviously be better. And uh, that's all I'm taking away from that ball game. (laughs) Jaron Jackson Jr. was actually okay. I'll throw that into the mix as well. 23 points, four boards, two assists, and a block. Managed to stay on the floor, shot the ball better. Would love to see some more defensive stats, uh, but uh, perhaps they will come. Perhaps they will come. The Daniel House, P.J. Tucker, Franken Monster logo here for Fantasy NBA today just keeps trucking along, man. I know P.J. didn't have the greatest game, but he did have four defensive stats and a three-pointer. Daniel House had seven defensive stats and three three-pointers. Clint Capella has come roaring along here after the first week and a half of very slow play. He was another one of the uh, D-bombs types, not that old, but was falling unnecessarily. And all of a sudden, he's back inside the top 35, so that levels off another one of our slow starting old men. And obviously James Harden turned out to be fine. I don't think anybody was particularly worried about that. And Eric Gordon has gone back to not playing that much because thank goodness Chicago got blown out. So I'm going to mostly throw this thing away. I still think Sadoransky's line was encouraging. He took 11 shots. He had the second highest usage of uh, basically anybody on the team. I think he and Levine were, were tied behind Kobe White in that department. With no auto-porter for we're not entirely sure how long, Thad Young actually becomes an almost usable guy. You know I love me some Thaditude, but I'm not buying into it just yet. This game doesn't change much for me. I did mention I thought Zadaransky should be back on rosters. He has taken control of that starting point guard job, for better or worse. Golden State, we already talked about Oklahoma City a little bit. Oh, Hamadou Diallo was a guy we forgot to mention uh, from the, the Sunday results and I think that what we can probably say for now is that he's not quite there yet. Did have three steals, but only ten points. Literally nothing else besides those two categories. He had a turnover, so I lied in twenty-two minutes. So the minutes are not quite there. There's too much left for Terrence Ferguson. Uh, you know he he's seeing playing time, and so unless Diallo can just get all of those minutes, it's probably not quite ready yet. I got excited because he's incredible to watch on the basketball court. He's close. But he's not there yet. So if you have him, I think you can probably move on for now. And now on the Golden State side, D'Angelo Russell came back, and he, as we expected, sort of blew up the the whole system there. Uh, Alec Burks has had some really nice scoring games in a row here. Eric Pascal missed this one with a hip injury. Uh, So Glenn Robinson III took a few extra shots. It's a mess, man. You can probably start Burks, but don't be surprised if he vanishes. Don't be surprised if he goes back to doing nothing, because he's always just been a scoring and free throws guy, basically. He's got a couple of rebounds and assists in this one, and that's been sort of bumping up his numbers, and obviously the high scoring helped. Uh, but don't be surprised to see him disappear. Glenn Robinson is alternating games where he seems like he wants to shoot and games where he doesn't. It still feels like Willie Cauley-Stein has a path to some sort of value, but now we're hearing Draymond Green is actually probable for the next ball game. So that, again throws a wrench into things. And this is why I didn't pick up anybody on Golden State because the whole thing's just going to hell as soon as we started to figure out who was going to play when everyone was out. It's going to be a mess. They're in semi-tank mode. These guys are going to be in and out of the lineup all season long. And you just you, you sort of guess at who the hell might actually be okay when they're not. Uh, games that happen on Friday with teams that we haven't talked about yet. The Washington Wizards... Played on Friday and not over the weekend. Isaiah Thomas didn't have a great line, but he did play 29 minutes. I thought that was really encouraging. They want him out there. He's logging heavy minutes, and that's really huge for us. Uh, Detroit played on Friday, but not over the weekend. But Blake Griffin is coming back, and Derrick Rose is actually considered uh, somewhat likely. I think he's questionable, but they said they're expecting him to come back. But he hasn't been upgraded to probable yet at the time of this recording, so we'll wait and see. Still, uh... You know, Blake's probably not going to play a full complement of minutes yet. You're probably looking at something more like, you know, 20, 22. This first game back, maybe Derek Rose in that mid-20s as well. Still, that takes a lot away from Kennard, from Galloway, from Bruce Brown. All of these guys are going to turn into pumpkins slowly. Kennard is the one that might hang out above the cut line, but all this, you know, 25 to 30 point a night type stuff, that's not going to be particularly common. Once this team is at full strength, if that actually ends up holding on. Uh, Sacramento didn't play over the weekend as well. That was another one that kind of jumped out at us because uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich now has had two good games in a row. He's a guy that I thought was way overowned prior to his good games, and even after them, he's still sitting outside the top 130. But this is two of his top three minutes played in any game this season. So there's something there. He has a weird fantasy game. Low percentages. Three-pointers is sort of his shtick. I'm not super into it. But no, he's the lesser of the Bogdanoviches. The Bogdanovichy. I don't, in any event. I'm not making a move on him. That's the that's the short version of that one. Uh, Buddy Heald looked better. Shooting his stroke is coming back. Bielitsa lost minutes to Bogdanovich. Those two guys are all are between the Kings trying to figure out if they want to go big or small. Uh, Atlanta forced them to go smaller, so maybe you see more Bielitsa in the next one, and this, is, of course, is all just waiting for Marvin Bagley to come back. So, yeah, I'm not adjusting anything from the results of that ball game. And that, I think, about does it. Utah? Did we cover Utah? I mean, Mike Conley played better. They're a pretty predictable team at this point, so I'm not going to dig too much into it. I will say it looks like Joe Ingles might be a drop. Uh, I think you can probably move on from it. Oh, the Heat, that was the last one. That's right, we had one more that we needed to cover, and that was a team we were paying pretty dang close attention to as well. Jimmy Butler's been very good. Goran Dragic has been better the last couple of games, and he's shoved Kendrick Nunn out to the periphery. This is what I was worried about. Frequent listeners, you know we've been saying, and I think you guys have mostly echoed this in the HoopBall forums. We've had this conversation all together. Hey, what happens when Butler comes back? The thought was, someone's going to suffer. And in reality, it was everyone. It was a little bit from all the pieces, where before, Dragic, Nunn, and Harrow could all have decent games at the same time, and now it seems like one of them, at least, is doomed to having a poor ball game with Butler back. There's still no Justice Winslow on the court, so that could actually throw an additional wrench into things. What do you do is the question here. Well, Dragic, I believe, has been dropped since the outset. He His fantasy game is not super friendly anymore. Um, his percentages are low. When he goes big, he goes big like this with no defensive stats and still low field goal percent, so I'm not buying into it. The one that I still like... As the strongest hold is Kendrick Nunn, because he's starting, and if they weren't getting beat up by the Lakers breaking their zone defense down, I think he probably would have done a little bit more. They'll run a little hot and cold, but he still had three defensive stats, and he was a shot or two away from having a pretty good ballgame. So he's my hold of the three. Uh, Harrow is kind of more right on the fringe, and then Drogic. I know he had the better ballgame on Friday, but he's the one that I trust the least. Out of the three of them, I think when this is all said and done, if I had to make my educated guess, you're probably looking at Harrow and Dragic on the waiver wire, and I think you're looking at none still on a team. In fantasy. I guess I should clarify on that front. Uh, folks, quickly check out two of our favorite sponsors here, Manscaped.com. Again, the promo code is HoopBall for 20% off and free shipping on your order. And, of course, our buddies at MyBookie.ag. And I bring them up because it's time to talk about the Monday card. The Monday card. What are we looking forward to as we get set for the week ahead? It was a a busy weekend, good and bad stuff. Big injuries, among other things. But for Monday, Minnesota is at Detroit. Uh, Blake Griffin coming back. This is a game where I would definitely consider fading the Pistons. I know Drummond is going to be fired up to play a cat, uh, but I would fade the Pistons as they work guys back into the roster. That's that's a, a trademark time where teams have a little bit of a letdown. Dallas is in Boston. I think this Boston line, three and a half points, is probably a relatively fair one, if I had to to sort of call it. Um, they lost Gordon Hayward, so I would lean a little bit in their direction, but I don't know that there's a, it's a typical injured star thing. I, I mean, Dallas is still going to be fired up to play Boston because you know it's Boston. Um, so there's not going to be that that letdown factor just because Hayward is out. Houston is at New Orleans. This is actually a revenge game for the Pelicans, and they looked a lot better in their last one, and I wonder if it's just the the Redick hitting shots and Favors being out there. If we're trying to figure out if Favors is going to play a lot, this isn't great a great game to do it because the Rockets are going to spread the floor and run, and Favors is going to be drenched and completely obliterated by about the seven-minute mark of the first quarter. So we might see a depressed line here from him. If he puts up a good line in this ball game, that's an incredible positive indicator because Houston usually runs big guys off the floor. It is, as I mentioned, a revenge game for the Pels, so if you're playing either side in this one, it would have to be the New Orleans side. Memphis is at San Antonio. Spurs favored by 11. I would expect the Marcus Aldridge to have a nice little bounce-back game here against the Grizz, who will probably play all of their guys again, but frankly, I don't know with that team. The Warriors, uh, Draymond Green do back. I legitimately have no idea how they're going to play on a given night. I think they're going to get shut down defensively by the Jazz, but at 10 points on the road, that's a tough one. If you really can still find this one where the Warriors are catching 10, you might want to think about it, just because they should be a bit better with Dre in the lineup. Uh, but they're just not as good. You no, know, they're not as good. They don't have Steph. They don't have Klay. It's going to be tough to keep up. Toronto at the Clippers. Toronto at the Clippers. This is uh, an interesting one because this is sort of like the reunion tour for the Raptors folks. Uh, Danny Green got to play his old team and all of his old buddies, uh, and they won. I mean, this was that was your trademark thing, man. You knew the Lakers were in letdown mode with no surge, no Lowry, and the Raptors just woke up in a big way. What do you mention? Boucher? the 24 minutes. I mean, it's enough for him to have fantasy values, 24. Norman Powell, 25. They sort of stuck with the guys that were working down the stretch. But now, how do they come back the next night against former Raptor Kawhi Leonard? Is there enough in the tank for the Raptors to do this two nights in a row? I'm inclined to think the answer is no. This was the fire-up game. This was the, we got all of our emotions running in one direction. We're in L.A., let's go do it. We got our guys out for however many weeks. Let's go save our necks. But the injured star theory doesn't last that long, and it's hard to do back-to-back nights when you're going a little bit of a shorter bench. And Siakam played 42 minutes. It's going to be a load, man. And with Kawhi, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to read that dude emotionally. Do you think he's going to care playing the Raptors? It feels like they might care more playing him. But anyway, I'm leaving that one alone. I want nothing to do with that basketball game uh, in almost any capacity. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the Raptors come out and just have nothing left in the tank after a super super emotional day uh, and win against the Lakers. Can I just mention one other thing, kind of turning the clock back to the weekend? How good has Damian Lillard been? I know he said he's the number one guy, uh, but he is really rolling these days. What an impressive run he's been on. Man, something else. He even picked up a block late in that ballgame, which (laughs) got me an extra point in one of my head-to-head leagues, so I'm really celebrating Dame's. Sunday evening effort. I did love the minutes for Baysmore. If we got some sort of—I know I'm bouncing around a little bit here. If we got any kind of indicator that Hood was going to be missing more than one or two games, Bays would be a guy you'd you'd pick up in droves. Again, we're talking about these short-term things. His defensive stats are are through the roof. I, mean, I almost think you have to consider it until we know what the hell's going on. Anyway. Uh, So that's basically what's been going on now. Let's set the table here for the rest of the week as we get towards the end of the podcast. Reverse chronological lightning round is in the books. We've talked about the big injuries to Kyle Lowry, to Serge Ibaka, who's, you know, less relevant, and then obviously Gordon Hayward. We hope that they all get back relatively soon. We understand in some small manner how things are going to look with those guys out, but it is not, we hope, ultra long-term, and the one that could be longer is Hayward, We don't have the exact number on his yet. Uh, There isn't an obvious one-to-one beneficiary in Boston. So we sort of truck along. We take the bad news in stride. We see if we can milk something out of Toronto. And uh, that's that. As far as the rest of this week goes, we'll obviously continue how we've been doing it, breaking down the cards and giving ourselves some homework for the the night ahead and jumped over that while we were talking about the betting lines for the Monday card. But obviously with these games, you want to watch Blake and Derrick Rose. You want to watch... Uh, the Pelicans, that's the one that I'm the most interested in of any game on the Monday night card. Uh, Memphis, I'm always semi-interested. Spurs, same thing. Let's see if, like we say if, and then if how much, uh, does Derek White get on the floor with DeJounte Murray? And then, you know, if Draymond Green, it really is back for the Warriors tonight, uh, what does that do to the rest of that team? I'm, I'm assuming it just basically renders the other guys not playable i don't know but we'll find out that's where i'm sitting on it right now uh and then toronto we get another quick look here against the clippers so that's sort of your fantasy homework for this evening but again over the course of this week we're going to talk to coach we'll talk to coach about how dfs stuff is going uh we're going to talk to brandon marcus we'll do some buy lows and sell highs and we have a very special new guest on the program his name is pedro doreste he is our one of our new editors here at Ball over the last couple of months. Just a brilliant, brilliant mind and a hell of a writer. And he has already prepared some really cool stuff that we're going to talk to late in the week. Uh, and then I'll decide. I might end up actually pushing that one to air next week. Regardless, it's going to be awesome. Uh, big thank you again, turning the clock back to Friday, to our buddy Amir Blumenfeld for hopping on the show. That was a fun one. I hope you guys enjoyed that. The week has begun. Let's go win some fantasy matchups. So long, everybody.